Evening workshop, folks. Tonight, we've got another good one here. I am looking forward to this. Nate and I have been chatting for a little while. I've got uh, Nate from Two Chicks Homestead. How are you, Nate? I'm doing all right. How about you, Tim? Not bad at all. And uh, unfortunately, we're not recording this episode over ham radio, but we are going to talk about <laughs> ham radio. So, As Chris says, get your livers ready. We might need it. Yeah. So for everybody out there, uh, Nate and I are uh, two members of the Fireside Freedom kind of collab podcast. And we have this ongoing thing because Nate is very passionate about ham radio <laughs> that we always wait to see how far into the episode we can get before Nate uses that three letter word. And when he finally does, we all have to take a drink of whatever drink we're drinking. So, yeah. Well, we didn't even make it a minute this time. So, no, that is, is. Well, it's in the damn title. So, what are we going to do? So, <laughs> what are you drinking tonight, Nate? The all important uh, question. I got twisted teas because I got to take it light because we're going to be talking a lot about this and I got to work tomorrow. <laughs> Absolutely. That's okay. I, um, I ran out of ice tonight, but I, I still have my old fashioned tonight. It's made with Larceny bourbon. And, uh, yeah, it should be a good evening. So, there you go. So what have you been up to lately, Nate? Uh, it was my birthday yesterday. Uh, then I put on Facebook that you were 49, I think. Is that right? Uh, you're a few 40? years off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be younger than you. That's all. So. Uh, let's see. Then uh, kind of hung out with the girls yesterday, drove around, looked at some Christmas lights. And then uh, our neighbor dropped off five geese for, for us. Hunting, we, they were hunting or whatever? Yeah. Or? Yeah, they went uh, goose hunting yesterday, and then we processed that all this morning. We put, uh, let's see, five breasted out. It was like 7.9 pounds, give or take. Nice. So almost eight pounds. So I'm not sure if Renegade is, is, is that legitimate what he put up there? Or is he, yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Go that, ahead. That's, that? His, that, that's his call sign. Came okay. to kill. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, um, Haas is not getting any. No, I can hear you. Everybody, I'm sure. Yeah, just make sure out there can. Yeah, test, test, test. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty yeah. sure everybody. I think. Because um, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, you hear me. I think coming through. Okay, folks. So, especially for the people who are going to be listening on the audio version of this, Nate. Um, I'm sure there'll be a few that haven't necessarily heard of you before or where you're from. So, tell me a little bit about. Because ah, we always joke about your name, Two Chicks Homestead. And uh, <laughs> tell us who you are, what you guys do, and, you know, that kind of thing. Yep. So I'm half of the Two Chicks Homestead. I'm the bearded half. Uh, you know, the bearded lady. we got to have those running around as well. Uh, my wife and I do a uh, podcast once a week, and we just kind of talk about running stuff on our half acre of land. Um, we do everything from rabbits to hogs. Well, we process hog every year. I do a lot of hunting. And uh, just kind of general messing around. Uh, we have we live in a small town, twenty one hundred people, and uh, yeah, been a ham radio operator for uh, about a year and a half, a little over that, almost two years. Being two years in March. So just for the record, since Nate, you know, Nate kind of undersells the fact that he's only been a ham guy for a couple of years, but I haven't met anyone who's all kidding aside, more passionate or more knowledgeable about the subject. So we'll have fun. At some point, someday, maybe I'll put together my own version of the expert council. And uh, there's no doubt in my mind what Nate will answer the questions on. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm pretty good at it. I, I kind of, I, I know what I'm talking about. Um, it's going to be a little fun with this one, the, uh, going through the history, because I actually learned a lot of stuff researching this. 
And so. there's, I don't know, there's something fun about history. I, I, I'm not even sure why I love history so much. It's just, you know, we take so much of the everyday kind of boring, monotonous stuff for granted. We don't realize all the, all the things that had to happen before for us to, to get to where we are. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, we, we grew up as city kids and to even come out here and then just start messing with animals and messing with ham radio. It's uh that's true. You know, it's a lot of things that you don't necessarily think about. And, you know, Becky and I went down the, the homesteading path for a long time and about, so my personal story of ham radio is a very short one, but I do have my basic up in Canada, which is, you know, two meter. What is that again? Two meter. Is that uh UHF? UHF. Yeah. So I know that's v, uh, VHF and then UHF is uh 440. Yes. So I, I'm I'm I do plan at some point to eventually become you know advanced so that I can do HF contacts and Nate and I can you know uh, skip back and forth over the ionosphere. Let me see if I can make that sound right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and chat a few times. So, but yeah, it, it's coming. Uh, I got my call sign. Oh man, but eight years ago, and okay. the guy. I, I, I'm going to guess. I hate to say this, but I think the guy who. Um, did my testing. I can't imagine he's still, he was in his late nineties when he tested me. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, anyway, haven't chatted with him in a long time, but the problem is in my area, we don't have any ham within say an hour's drive, you know, yeah. and the, the group that does exist is up in Lloyd Minster and you know, their average age would be probably in the eighties, which is not a big deal. It's just, you know, hard to, interact and find time to get up there for their ham breakfasts, which are, you know, an hour away and whatever. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I've, I got into it. Well, the main reason was we had a uh, incident here in town hmm. and it, uh, there was a hostage situation about three blocks over. Wow. And it turned out we couldn't hear them because a, we didn't have any of the radios, and B, there we found out they're encrypted, so they're on an encrypted channel. So I still can't hear them as is. Right. But I went through, got the radio, um, and then I started hearing the guys on the repeaters in the area. And it's like, okay, well, you know, now that I know I don't have to actually get tested on Morse code, that I'll yes. go, ahead and get, go ahead and get my technician. And then it's like, okay, I got my technician. Now I want to get my general just so I can get HF privileges. And then I'm like, well, you know, I'm already this far in. Might as well go for the extra. And that was a year to the day that I got my tech. I got my extra. So Renegade said he should do his extra. And then yeah. Hunter wants to know, is it really worth it? Yes. Why? Yeah. If you don't have communication, you don't have a plan. Right. Full stop and a story. Your cell phone, your cell phone can go down. Who are you going to talk to? Because that means your internet's going to go down. Right. And all this stuff works without internet. You can send text messages over this without internet to your family, or you can send an email to your family and tell them that you're a okay or b you need help. So, just since you're, we might as well get down this rabbit hole for a minute. So. Could I send a text message to a family member who, say, had service outside of our service range, and it could go directly to their SMS, like their text messaging? Yep. 
Yeah, you can do that through uh, APRS. Re and it's okay, uh, automatic position reporting service, I think is what it is, or automated packet reporting service. It's one of those. Um, you can um, say a, uh, I think I want to say it's the new Yesu FT, FTD5 okay. or FT5D um, that you can send text messages over that. If you hit a gateway, you have no problem getting that text message out. There are services that allow you to do that. That's cool. Okay. And then and, on the on oh, the HFs, okay, automated packet. Renegade's got it. Um, if you are out on a sailboat and you want to send an uh, email, yep. how are you going to do it? You're 1,000 miles away from land. There's no signals out there. Well, you either have a satellite phone, which will cost you $1,000 to do that, <laughs> or you can buy a thousand dollar radio and send that email whenever you want to send it. That's cool. And that is that something that's really come on the last few years, or has that been around for a while? No, that's know? been around a long time. Okay. Um, it's actually been required. Uh, we'll go over that uh, since 1912 that uh, you've been required to have a radio on a ship if you are traveling more than 200 miles from land and and something very important happened in 1912 that i'm sure we'll mention in a minute that yep. changed a lot of safety things so absolutely um, just going to shout out i don't know this individual but we got somebody new on twitch uh not nice there we go just said uh oh boy <laughs> oh yeah i yep yeah and i think 9 11 oh yeah <laughs> he's just kidding so he's not a troll good to have you but you know what all kidding aside you know, we'll go down. 9-11 did change a whole lot of things for safety features just yeah. uh, about 100 years. Well, you know, 100 years uh, afterwards. Yeah, TSA. And you're not wrong, not nice. Good to have you. I appreciate yep. it. We don't get a lot of traffic over on uh, Twitch, so share the wealth. Yeah, and I, I, I have the fact that 9-11, you know, was a part of ham radio uh, as we get a little bit further down this list. So. Well, let, want to dive in? Let's let's start with sure. the history, and we'll work our way through. Anybody have questions as we go along? Throw them out. And yep. uh, <laughs> Life Done Free just said, hey, Tool. <laughs> Good to have you. And uh, cool. All right. So uh, let's start, Nate. You go, and we'll, um, we'll, yep. we'll work our way through. No problem. So I have it as it uh, starts roughly about 1850s. The telegraph was invented, and that was strictly wired. So you had to run wires. You had a wire across the ocean going over to the uh, between UK and uh, the US. And then roughly about 1888, Heinrich Hertz was or figured out that you could do this without having that wire down through or under the ocean or strung between towns. And once that was figured out, roughly about 1890s, uh, Google. I guess if I could say this name. Yeah, Marconi. Yeah, uh, Marconi. Guglielmo Marconi adapted Hertz's theory into a communication set. And this was all done through Morse code. Can you imagine? I mean, I don't know. I, I think about the, 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 the things we've seen in our lifetime. But the things that somebody was born in, say, I don't know, 1820, 1830. And if they lived to, you know, 1920, 1930. Just the fact that 
you know, first off, you, you have your your first recorded pictures, your first recorded video, you know, motion mm-hmm. pictures. And then all of a sudden they realize, hey, we can send signals down a wire. And then after that, they're like, oh, well, why don't we just eliminate the wire? Yeah, <laughs> and exactly. Like, and that must have blown their mind. I think it would have, uh, I, I don't know. I It would have seemed like black magic to people at that time, I would think. Right. And if it wasn't for Marconi, you wouldn't have cell phone signal or cell right. phones today. That's that's what it comes down to, you know, him playing around and hams in general playing around. You wouldn't have a cell phone. So as preppers, of course, we we love to talk about comms and communications and things like that. We also there's also something else that we all uh, that, that a lot of people seemed interested in, and that's uh, CMEs, coronal mm-hmm. mass ejections, or yep. nowadays even a uh, an EMP. But so back, I mean, Telegraph had to have been pretty young when. What was it? The uh, Carrington event happened. Yeah, that was I think eighteen, supposedly eighteen sixties, if I remember. Um, I'm going to call a little bit of BS on the Carrington event, and that's only because you you can't find any articles or any news media or anything in the encyclopedias from that time about the Carrington event. And if it was as big as they say it was, you'd see something somewhere. So the idea behind it was that it basically overloaded because there really couldn't have been a whole lot of systems, period. Like maybe a few rudimentary transformers or something at that time. Right. It was a uh, transformers. And then you also had uh, pop, supposedly power coming over the wires and burning up gear Um it was actually supposedly sending or sending signals and powering up radios at the time. I mean, I or powering up the actual telegraph systems, and supposedly it wiped out the entire system. And, but uh, so Josh Renegade said we wouldn't have radio without hams. It was amateurs who discovered it and mm-hmm. have been at the forefront. Because I mean, again, here we are live streaming over the World Wide Web. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My grandfather used to say, "Did you ever hear about that new highway?" The information superhighway. You know? Yep. But really, none of this would be here without that. And right. you think about the families that would sit around the radios in the 20s and the 30s to get information. It must have been pretty cool. You know, the mm-hmm. guy into War of the Worlds, you know, H.G. Wells, scaring the living shit out of everybody because they really thought Martians were landing. Right. Like, Absolutely. That's pretty cool. And that was uh, AM, which uh, the first AM transmissions was like 1906. Okay. Um. And that was thanks to the Columbian University Amateur Radio Club uh, or the Wireless Telegraph Club of Columbia University were the ones that figured out that. Um, But the first transmission across the Atlantic was uh, Glace Bay, Nova Scotia to Cornwall, England, with a 60,000-watt transmitter using four 210-foot-tall towers with a spark gap transmitter. So from what I understand, so that is in Cape Breton, way, I think, yeah, way out on the tip, the far end of Nova Scotia. That's where I grew up. Yep. And growing up, we always had, there, there was two, actually, I thought of another one while we were just talking. We had these heritage moments, they called them, and they were, you know, government sponsored, whatever you want to call them, history kind of snippets. And they were mm-hmm. about 30 seconds to a minute. And one of them was this one right here. 
where they they show the very he's sitting there and he's on the edge of his seat and he's like it's not going to work it's not going to work and then finally it comes through right and they yeah because of course there'd be a delay even though it goes at the speed of light i mean mm -hmm. you know by the time it gets down to him and they figure it out and send it back but another one and i don't know if you're going to mention this or not but have you ever heard of the halifax explosion no uh, i've heard about it but um i don't have it in here i know there was uh the telegraph came came with that like the telegraph yeah. sent a guy so the for anybody who doesn't know in halifax harbor in nova scotia there was a, a munitions ship that uh collided with another ship caught fire it exploded and was the largest non-nuclear explosion at the time in in the world or largest non-nuclear peacetime explosion is what they called it period full yeah. stop i think <laughs> yeah it was insane like so you can go downtown in halifax actually i took my kids there last year and you could see some things but there are still debris lodged in some of the buildings up high they've left there so there was a telegraph operator who sacrificed his life to stop a train from coming in mm -hmm. he stayed yep. at the post and tapped it out until they caught it you know and so just interesting it's it's neat how ham was at the forefront you know or radio yeah. in general yep and i i remember because I, I listened to uh a lot of history stuff. And I remember hearing about that telegraph operator during that, that actually stopped. Cause I think it was a commuter train coming in. It was. And of course, trains were a big deal then. Right. So, right. And there was also a munitions train, I think behind it, maybe. I think so. Yeah. Cause so. it, I mean, the devastation, we, we were at the, the presentation there at the museum last year, me and the girls. And it was, I mean, it, it it looked like a nuclear wasteland afterwards. It just completely devastated the, the landscape. Oh, yeah. So where do we go from there? Oh, we got Kentucky Sustainable Living. Good to have you. Yeah. Oh, and Hunter uh, says, an old man told me that the lines caught fire. All hearsay, though. So Yeah, and that's yeah. that's one of the things I always hear, too. Um, there's actually a really good video on the Carrington event. I think I sent it to you. You did, yep. The, the guy's a little bit of a crackpot. I, I'll post it in the Telegram group when we're done here. Um, it's, he's a little out there, but he brings up some points. It's like, uh, I could see that not really happening. And he like goes through the encyclopedia Britannica's from the day all the way up until great. He's current the type time. Of guy that our buddy Art Bell would have loved to interview. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so where do um, we go from there? Uh, I have, so we already got the am, but in, uh, 1904, two Boston eighth graders built a transmitter and receiver and were able to, uh, to use their Mor uh, go Morse code eight miles away. That's crazy. Eighth graders. What are eighth graders doing now? <laughs> I, you are, I, yeah, I, I, I know my seventh, my seventh graders are pretty good. Kids, right, I, I know what the average eighth grader is doing. Yes. Um, yeah. Exactly. You know, arguing. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the, the the fact that those two kids were smart enough to build that system on their own was pretty good. Renegade um, wants us wants us to do a Nikola Tesla episode. I had some. I, I was debating throwing him in here because he had some stuff to do with ham radio, but not a whole ton. Kentucky um, mentions what I was going to mention. So there you go, guys. <laughs> Looking for litter boxes in the school. So moving right along. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, 1910, uh, radio or required radio equipment to be installed on ships 200 miles out to sea with a range of 100 miles. So that was con U U.S. Con our Congress required that. 
that any U.S. flagship was required to have a radio on board. Now, there was a certain ship that sunk a couple of years later that would have been yep. a British ship, right? Yes. Yeah. And they actually had the radio on board. Oh. Um, they were able to send out the telegraph or the HF signal that they were sinking. And I think it was, uh, was it? I don't remember what the ship that came was it Lusitania that sticks. I think it might've been. Yeah. Um, heard it and came to the rescue and they were, they, so that was 1912 and they were able to get survivors because of ham radio and the operators getting that off before the ship sank. So they, they did have a radio on board and there were people in there staffing it at the time that it happened. But 1912, the big radio act came came through and that required um, the radios to be staffed 24 seven because somebody was sleeping, weren't they? Or the captain they... was sleeping, I think. So just out of, this is interesting. I never thought of this. So if the Titanic had happened two or three years prior, it, there's a good chance it would have completely sunk with no survivors and yep. would have been completely unknown what happened to it. Absolutely. Wow. Um, you, if, if, if you're talking 19, you know, 1909 or 1910. Right. Yeah. It very well could have sunk with everybody on board and nobody would have been able, nobody would have been saved. That's great. I mean, some might've gotten the lifeboats, but whether they, you know, how many days would it have been? I forget how, how far out they were. I think they were another day or so, you know, so we're talking 24, yeah. maybe 48 hours before somebody even, came looking for them right yeah i you wouldn't know where to find them somewhere between uh what new york and london right <laughs> or england yeah i think they were up kind of by nova scotia if i remember yeah because there are uh titanic um victims or you know that were buried in halifax which was kind of interesting too yeah i think i think that was close to city if i remember um so i saw one in there hunter uh ham radio what the first recorded uh, amateurs that I have is 1904, and that was the two eighth graders. Yes, sir. So there were it, your first transmission across the, the Atlantic was 1902, and then 1904 you had the Boston eighth graders building their receiver and transmitter. So how fast that technology spread, hey? Yeah, I mean ma magazines were all coming out with the information. They were given a ton of stuff out there and just kind of people were following along and wanted to do it. I mean, you could buy this stuff at the hardware store real cheap and build it yourself. No radio shacks back then. Not yet. <laughs> well, I guess no radio shacks now, are there? <laughs> there's uh, there's one in California, I think. Okay. Kind of like uh, Blockbuster. It just Yeah, exactly. So I've got to date yourself there. Blockbuster. Ah, <laughs> I remember Radio Shack. It changed its name to the source up here in Canada, but yep, Radio Shack was kind of, I was, I found it a boring place myself, but I wasn't into that kind of stuff when I, you know, I like tech, but yeah. I, I wish there were more Radio Shacks around because instead of running to Ace and Walmart today, I could have hit up that store and bought some ham radio equipment because they probably would have had it. Yep. And get the adapter that I needed to do what I'm kind of planning on doing later. And what was, so. what I found was cool about Radio Shack was at least in Canada, they were in small towns. You mm -hmm. didn't have to go to a big shopping center. So like my town was 2300. We had one. 
Matagan, which was like 800 people, a little French community, they had a Radio Shack. So, I mean, they definitely catered to the smaller towns, which was nice as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I know we had one and I, we used to live in Carroll Stream and there's one like five minutes from our house. But I wasn't uh, ham back then, so I had no reason to go there. Maybe we'll have so, to do an episode on Radio Shack at some point. That would be fun. Right. Absolutely. Everybody so, loves nostalgia. I mean, look, uh, Renegade spent many hours in Radio Shack. Chris Dixon yep. built solar robotics in Radio Shack. Kentucky loved Radio Shack. <laughs> yep. Yep. It, cool. it was a fun story. I remember going there as a kid and getting a whole bunch of stuff with my dad. Um, it, it was a pretty cool store to walk in. And I, if I remember, they did have amateur radio stuff there. Yes. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, they did. They always, the little things like the shortwave radios and, and all the pieces for building them and repairing them. You yep. couldn't get that anywhere else. Right. Absolutely. Um, so next up, still staying in 1912 around uh, the Titanic. So th this was the big thing. They passed the Radio Act of 1912, which required the ships to have the stuff on board. Okay. And it was also the first laws on the books to limit operators to the 200 meter band and shorter. So we don't have the 200 meter band anymore. Um, that was kind of given away from, you know, taken away from us. But we still have, I'm um, looking at my chart right now, we have 160, 80, 75, 60, 40, 30, 20, 17, 15, 12, and 10 for HF. Yes, sir. And then you get into UHF, VHF is 6, 2, 222, 440, 900, and 1240. But it also goes up all the way to 10 gigahertz if you want to get into it. So what would the difference between 160 and 200 meters be? It'd be, a more, it'd be closer in. So okay. really, 160, um, you're kind of limited to shooting your signal directly up. Okay. And come back down in like maybe a two to 400 mile range. Okay. So that was kind of what you're limited to. 80 is really kind of about the same. Um, and then 40 meters, it really depends on what time of day it is. During the day, it's real short. And at night, it can go real long. Is that to do with cloud cover or? No, it's, it's no? changes with the sun. Okay. As soon as the sun goes down, the uh, F layer... I remember, I think it's the F layer all becomes the, the D E and F all come into the F layer and it just, it goes a little bit further. So uh, Kentucky says NVIS. Do you know what? Yep, that's a near vertical incident skywave. <laughs> nice. So, so that is basically you have your antenna five feet up off the ground. Okay. And it's, it doesn't, it really only works for 80 and uh, or 160, 80 and 40. It'll shoot your signal straight up, and then it'll come back down. If you actually have like an 80-meter or 160-meter antenna a quarter wavelength off the ground, you'll actually get some distance out of it. Okay. But if you look at it, a 160-meter antenna, a quarter wavelength of that would be 40 meters up yeah. off the ground is 120 feet. Oh, yeah. So it becomes difficult to do. Right. Yeah, I mean, how how many people how many people are gonna throw a tower up at 120 feet? Feasibly, right? It can be done, but feasibly, it's you're looking at trees. Sure. So, 
and had some real tall trees. <laughs> and renegade, everybody's throwing out big words that I don't know. So, well, ionospheric. So, yeah, yeah, I assume that's what we're talking about with. Uh, yeah, so the, the ionosphere has to do with your skip. Um, that's how you get. Um, the ionosphere is the easiest way to prove that the world is not flat. Oh, come on. Because <laughs> um, if the Earth were flat two meters, you'd be able to get over into Europe without a problem. Right. So. Oh, yeah. So 40. Yeah. Uh, remember, I, we've been talking about this for a while. This is my brother-in-law. He's been coming in quite often. Remember I was saying how we need a simple system for your brother-in-law? Yeah. <laughs> for my brother-in-law? Yeah, yeah. He said, uh, yeah, the 40. We'll, we'll make it work. We'll get something there for sure. But Yeah. Uh, well, you guys are. Real close. You could probably even do a GMRS. Ten, you know, ten miles. I don't know. It's tough. You and, throw some power behind it. Get a couple 50-watt GMRS radios. You'd be able to do it. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure if those are LEAG, whatever, legal here in Canada anyway. So we'll see. <laughs> At least some two-meter. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I could Just probably. Get, yeah, anyway. Get I your license. We'll probably do that. Yeah, both of you guys can get your license. Oh, yeah. I have um, mine. So, yeah. Um, now, with this. This is where it comes in that you were talking about uh, the term ham comes in. Yeah, I was, I, because is there a, a definitive answer on this? Yes. Okay. So it's really a derogatory term to amateur radio operators. Oh, okay. And it was the telegraph, the, prof the professional telegraph, the wired guys were saying that hams or amateurs were ham fisted sending Morse code. Oh, and they weren't good at it. In other words, they weren't right? very good at it. Yeah. So they were real sloppy. Didn't do real well at it. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's where the term ham came from. Ham fisted. Um, that's cool. A lot of hams have kind of laughed it off and just whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of adopted it. And it's pretty well stuck. Well, because if you say ham radio, people know what you're talking about, basically, yeah. you know, they think yeah. about a weirdo that hangs out in his basement and, uh, you know, builds things out of old car parts. But it no, it. Yeah, that is. Everybody knows what ham. You have an idea of what ham radio is, right? Right. Absolutely. I mean, I, most people you talk about it, they know what it is. Sure. And that's they have an that, idea that it's, it's something people can do, you know, if, 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 if times are bad and you can communicate. Right. Right. I mean, amateur radio was the original thing, but yeah, hams have kind of shortened it up and done gone with the uh, ham setup. It's all about Instead. embracing it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's I I thought it was funny. I had heard about that a couple of years ago. Um, you know, right when I got my got my license because I was looking into it. So yes, so um, Woody Harrelson, he's talking about from 2012. Do you remember the movie? Um. <sighs> So Woody Harrelson plays kind of an Alex Jones type podcast yes. radio guy, and but he's a ham yep. radio dude. That's what. Yeah, the pi the pirate broadcast. Yep. 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 Just wanted you to touch on Hunter's kind of comment or question here. He was saying he heard about people tossing antennas up into a tree, and he thought antennas were a metal stick. Yep. So I have two antennas at my house. I have a 130 foot long wire. It's called an NFED. Um, there's a little matching box. It's, uh, I'll, I'll give you this, something like this. It's about okay. the size of this. This is a flashlight and it sits on top of my, um, shed 
or really the garage. And then there's 130 feet of wire that goes up into a 95 foot tall tree. And the peaks at about 50 feet. Okay. And then it comes back down to my rear fence line. And that's the main antenna that I use. I also have a vertical that is a steel stick, basically, that's on the side of the house that runs four bands, hmm. which is 40, 20, 15, and 10. But that long wire antenna, I can get 160 through six. Yes, without sir. a problem. Okay. Now, how do you... Okay, so you've got this great big long wire, this piece of wire that yep. obviously is tuned for, would it be a quarter wavelength of 160 meters? Is that it's it? A, it's a quarter wavelength of 80 meters. 80 meters, okay. Yep. Right, because 80 and 160 are... Or no, it's a, sorry, it's a half wavelength of 80, 80. 80, okay. So how do you... Do you have to tune it in order yep. to get the different ones or... So they, they have, um, mine is really an off the shelf buy. It's from Chameleon. Okay. Uh, it's a Chameleon MCOM base three antenna. Okay. And they sell for about 170 bucks. Okay. Which isn't bad. Um, it's super easy to build. Um, I've actually built a antenna i have a 40 meter i have to pull it out of a bag um but it's about the size of a hockey puck oh okay and it's got a four a quarter wave or a half wavelength of 40 meters all rolled up in there and that'll give me 40 20 15 and 10. what do you use the most <laughs> i use the nfed the most okay um it's better listening antenna and it's also a better transmitting antenna for what, what i want about, to do um what band do you uh transmit or communicate on the most um main i go anywhere from 40 up to 10 usually okay. um i don't play a lot on 80 80 meters 80 and 75 they're so close to each other um those are a lot of the you hear the stereotypical hams on there okay sitting down in the basement drinking talking about their health health problems and that's that's not me yeah i get it that's cool so what why do you kind of gravitate toward the 40 what, what is your reasoning for that uh 40 is <coughs> sorry that's okay. uh, 40 meters is where our, our net is for the ham radio crash course that's a youtuber okay california josh nass he's a kilo india six november alpha zulu if i remember um, his YouTube channel has a net based out of Ohio and I'll check in there every Friday night, usually. And what's um, a net just to, it's to... basically a network of a bunch of guys getting together and just talking ham radio. Um, they ask that you check in and then you wait your turn basically. And then they come back to you and ask if you, uh, have anything to add for the week or what you did in ham radio okay. or, kind of some fun stuff um my favorite net of the year is actually the cq santa oh hey that time's in right nice with this time of year too right it does and the girls actually did it a couple uh weeks ago i put the video up we recorded the whole thing uh i had a just a gopro on the desk mm -hmm. and you can clearly hear the radio and it's the girls checked in sorry so i checked in on the radio you'll, you'll hear the whole exchange 
Um, I checked in about a half hour before that. And then once they came around to me, they made sure that I could still hear them, no problem. And then they transferred us to whichever operator could hear me the best. Okay. And then I have to identify myself with my call sign. And then the girls can come on and talk as long as I am with their with them operating the radio. Right. Yeah. So uh, they both got to talk to Santa on the ham radio. That's cool. They had a blast. Uh, they uh, got to ask their questions and wish Santa Merry Christmas and ho 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 and all that other fun stuff. And it was like a five minute exchange. Sure. But so how um, <laughs> how hard is it to contact? the North pole being way up on the top of the, the planet there or the globe in uh, theoretically, of course, or, you know, theoretically, if you can get a hold of Russia or any of the kind of that area. So I'm, I'm looking at the map right now that I got. Sure. If, if you're going to get into Sweden, Norway, Finland, or Russia, you'd be going over the North pole. Okay. That's a short path. Cool. So, so it is possible that. Yeah. If, if you want to hit the, or if, if you want to make contact with those people and you have a uh, beam antenna, you want to point your beam due north from me mm-hmm. being in Chicago and go over the North Pole because it's the shortest distance. Right. Instead of trying to go around to the east. So I suppose, I guess I wasn't thinking correctly, but I mean, going over the North Pole is no bigger deal than going over to like, south africa or somewhere like that because you're right. you know you're yeah you're just following the curvature or, or the the non-flatness of the earth right right exactly <laughs> yeah, sorry hunter says allegedly over both <laughs> yeah 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 so um i wanted to there's a couple of questions or uh, comments and stuff but renegade said ham radio is the og hacker tinkerer culture all your modern inventors coders and innovators have the same spirit that made ham radio what it is today and ham radio evolved into everything we know yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've played with stuff. I built antennas. Um, out in the garage, I have a uh, homemade out of PVC. It's a Yagi antenna. So it's PVC and a tape measure from Harbor Freight. I made one of those too. I didn't have a lot of success, but I made one. Um, that That's what I use for our fox hunts. So our fox okay. hunts is where you want to go. Um, somebody transmits on a frequency, and then you need to go find where they're transmitting from. So basically, you're going to go find them. So it's like a, it's a game that sharpens your skills, right? Exactly. So uh, Nina or not, I can never remember if it's Nina or Nina. Sorry. Uh, Nina says, is ham still very male dominated or are more ladies getting involved? Uh, ham radio is definitely male dominated. I will wholeheartedly admit that. But I will tell you there are more women getting involved. That's and cool. a lot of it. And. I, Aaron's in the chat here. I, I see her commenting. Um, she got her license last uh, spring. Okay. And it took her a little bit to get it. She doesn't have the technical knowledge like I, like I did of this before I got into it. But she still wanted to learn how to use it. I threw the radio in her truck. So she figured she'd at least try and get it. Um, she actually did really good. Uh, nice. It's... She, I, I will wholeheartedly admit she did better on the test than I did. Right. Um, she studied a lot longer than I did where I just kind of blew through it. And 
you know, was able to get my license. It took her a little bit, but she got it. There are more women getting involved, and I, I'm glad to see that. I am as well. And uh, uh, not nice as STEM, so that's what, science, technology, engineering, and, and math. Yeah. Math, yeah. I might have got the T wrong. If I did, I'm sorry, guys. Anyway, dominate by males because they're interested. I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, I mean, you're brought up and with certain ideas and certain concepts. And so you, you know, you're like, oh, I'll get in, I'll get interested in that. And it just kind of perpetuates over the generations. So it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of, it's neat. You know, it's the same with my girls, like Olivia, I taught her right from a young age, how to change her tires out. And, and you know, Gracie's very good with tools. So it, it's, it's important, you know, if, if we want the young ladies or the ladies in our lives to be interested in that kind of stuff is to take the time and to teach them, you know, and, just right. like me taking uh, home ec in high school, right? If I wanted to learn how to cook or sew, I took the classes and nothing wrong yep. with that, of course. Yep, absolutely. Um, um, Hunter wanted to know about fox hunting. Yes, that is exactly what it's used for. Fox hunting is used to track people without a call sign or people who are jamming a repeater. Um, we've, intentionally we have, or unintentionally, right? Yes, and we actually had somebody jamming our local repeater and we tracked them down within a block. And, and was, was it on purpose or was it uh, just... We don't know yet. We think we know who it is. Okay. Uh, we think it was unintentional, but it locked our repeater up for 14 hours. So... Not nice says the FBI is coming, so... <laughs> yeah, well, I, 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 got, I probably got one of those attached to me, but, you know, to the hip. <clears throat> but that's uh, neither here nor there. <laughs> so what's next on the uh, the history? All right, so uh, let's see. We got 1917, World War I. Congress orders all ham radio operators to cease transmitting. Re and did did I hear it right? They also did that during World War II. Is that right? Yes. Or, yeah, and okay. During World War II, it's um, a little... I'm not sure how that worked because I find a lot of um, conflicting information on that. But 1917, the ham radio operators were required to cease operation and dismantle their equipment. Dismantle? Yes. So they had Jeez. to take everything down. Um, during the war, there are no hams allowed because they were only allowed HF frequencies. I won't so be cut out there. Something frequencies? HF, high frequencies. Okay. Yep. So your HF bands that are long distance, they're only allowed to be on that. Okay. Um, there was no two meter, 70 centimeter yet. Uh, that didn't come until I think I want to say the sixties. So did they just they, not want people jamming up the airways or were they worried about like, uh, they, they were worried about people contacting others across, across the pond. Okay. Um, and also they, they understood back then that you could track the signal. It's very similar to, um, what was it? The. I don't want to call it wrong. I want to call it the Arab Spring. Do you remember a few years back? I, I might have the name wrong for it, but there was the uprising in some of the Muslim countries yeah, where they Spring. were. Yeah. And they uh, they basically shut down all comms within within the country. S similar yeah. type of thing, I suppose. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I think that was Iran, if I remember. Yes. Shut I down think, a lot yeah. of com comms during that. Um, but yeah, they, they were required to hand over equipment, dismantle their equipment. Um, and that's kind of really what I found on that. I would imagine a lot of the same that happened in 1917 also happened in 42. Sure. Um, 
or yeah, that was. Uh, I wonder if it would be such a. I hate to even think about it today, but I wonder if it would be nearly as big a concern today. Pro I'm thinking most comms would be secure encrypted satellites, which wouldn't affect yeah. ham com communications anyway. Right, because we're not allowed to be encrypted. Everything's got to be out in the air. Right. So there is there, there 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 literally is nothing encrypted about ham radio. Now, I don't know if we talked about this last time you were on here or not, but you know the kind of the old fashioned. Um, encrypt well okay let's go back to our favorite post-apocalyptic book series going home right i think yeah. it's in that one isn't it where they start putting out radio broadcasts with like the chairs against the wall that kind mm -hmm. of thing yeah. yeah so is that technically okay on ham or is that not okay on ham no is it because yeah. because you because you're hiding the meaning of the transmission okay so it's against the spirit of the law for sure yeah yeah okay absolutely doesn't mean I mean, that you, it wouldn't you, you necessarily say it. right right you can say it. Nobody's going to come after you and get you. It's um, like if you and I did the whole book thing where you know what book we're taking a a, a word out of. And I yeah. tell you page and, you know, right. So, okay. Yep, absolutely. Um, so that lasted until the 1919. Okay. When the war ended, the ARRL, the Amateur Radio Relay League, lobbied to get amateurs back on the air. And this is when everybody was able to get relicensed and... Your system oh. kind of went in with your kind of your current call signs right now where you have the different areas. Um, I am a nine call, November Alpha, nine Tango Echo is my call sign. Um, so I am Illinois, and nine is Wisconsin, Illinois, and Indiana. Uh, right. That's how that works, isn't it? Yep. Um, and then uh, 1921, American Amateurs challenged the uh, UK amateurs to receive radio contacts from across the pond. So this is um, U.S. amateurs who are working Morse code are now starting to play with voice. And this is all AM. All right, so because previous it was all just... Um, Morse code, yeah. Yep. So a AM was brought in around 1908, give or take. Um, or no, 1906 was the first... AM transmission. Okay. Um, so he here we are, you know, the tw uh, 21, they were, you know, kind of joking back and forth to finally make the contacts. And it wasn't until 1923, November 27th, the first transatlantic AM contact between American Fred Schnell and French Leon Deloy was made. That's cool. So, um, just about a hundred years ago was the first transatlantic voice communication. Yep, voice communication using AM. Ah, so wireless. So there was no need to have a, a subsea cable or whatever. Correct. Very cool. So I mean, that 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 took a long time. You're talking twenty one years from the invention to figuring it out and actually making the contact. And I think a lot of that had to do with solar solar cycle. So you'd have to go right. back and look and see how that solar cycle lines up. Every 11 years, you get the peaks and the valleys. And you also would have lost four years of um, innovation because of the war as well, yeah, right? Yeah, the war, yeah, absolutely. Huh. Interesting. So, yeah, that, I mean, that's pretty quick, honestly. Um, so 1927 and 1928, somewhere in that range, the International Radio Telegraph Conference in D.C. 
standardize the radio bands with HF for 80 slash 75, 40, 20, and 10. So we're almost the what we have today. Yep, almost what we have today. Just um, want to shout out to Sunnyland Camper. Good to see you in here. K, K, Kilo 8, Romeo, Oscar, Yankee. Is that right? Yeah, yep. there we go. So he's going to be either uh, Michigan, Ohio, maybe Pennsylvania, I think, would be my nice. guess, somewhere around there. Um, then uh, 1933, single sideband experiments uh, begin with Robert Moore, Whiskey 6, Delta Echo, India. And what is that? So single sideband. So AM, you have a carrier in the center, and then you have two sides of the signal okay so single sideband takes out that carrier and like half of the signal and puts all your power in that single sideband so it's a shorter distance right and it gives you know throws more power behind it okay um it so that was 1933 is when that started to come around nice. um, a lot of your hf contacts are all single sideband uh, if it's 40, 80, or 160, you're looking at lower sideband. Okay. And if you are 40 and up, it is upper sideband. Oh, nice. So there is a cutoff as well. So, so I'm, um, Sunnyland is actually in Illinois. Yep, I'm in really Illinois cool. too. So I'm about 60 miles outside of Chicago. So you can come find me or find our club. And Sunnyland is <laughs> bought property in Missouri. We're all oh, buying property down further south. This is great. Nice. Congratulations. <laughs> One of these days we will. Oh, yeah. Um, well, you guys can use my property down in Tennessee anytime. So There you go. That'll be fun. All right. So the next thing I have is the patron saint of ham radio. Patron saint? I don't know. Okay. Interesting. Okay, so 1941, priest Maximilian Colby. Sierra Papa III Romeo November was arrested by the Germans and accused of being a spy. This is hmm. in Poland. During uh, World War II. During World War II. He was martyred by taking place of a prisoner who was being executed for escaping. So he stepped up in defense of this person who tried to escape the camp sure. and was executed by the Germans. Wow. Um, October October 10th, 1982, he was canonized, canonized the patron saint of amateur radio by the Pope. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. I thought that was a joke, but it, yeah, that's well, legit. Yeah. Yeah. Many, many think he is the patron saint of ham radio. Oh, I got to get you a medallion. I wonder if they make medallions for him. <laughs> you have to look around. You never know. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so I, that, that was one of the things I learned. I, I had never known about that. No, um, me either. Really neat. Yep. So th that was kind of the, the interesting thing. Um, and then World War II, uh, you also have Americans are prohibited from making contact on ham radio. Now, this goes two different ways that I hear they were limited, limited to 112 megahertz or they weren't allowed to be on the air at all. Okay. So I kind of see it to. both ways. Um, but they were, once again, talks of... Uh, equipment being confiscated for the war effort and hams would show up and help out with the war effort and be using their old equipment. Isn't that, so, yeah, I get it. It's weird, but I get it. 
Yeah. I mean, it's like, just keep the, keep the stuff at your house and, you right. know, and that's, that's why you had Mars, that whole Mar the whole, uh, Mars service, the military auxiliary radio service. Oh, okay. So that was that like, um, like a volunteer. Yeah, it was, real, it was real big during Korea and, um, Vietnam. Okay. Where guys could actually call back to home using the Mars system. Well, that's what I was thinking when, yeah, which would have been really cool because yeah. that was pre-satellite radio or pre-satellite telephone days for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a lot of it. You still have the Mars or Mars going on right now. Um, I've kind of looked into it, but I don't have the time, nor do I want to buy the equipment for it. Sure. Um, you're required to dedicate 20 hours a month, if I remember, and you have to be able to run whatever mode they dictate you need to run. So it's anything from digital to voice to... And you have to buy the equipment, too. No, they will supply the equipment. Oh, okay. Um, but it's but... still setting it up and having the separate system and making sure it's always up and running. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, th there's a lot to do with it. I would be interested, but I have, I have too many hands or too many irons in the fire right now. Oh, absolutely. So it's no, way I don't I can... know. I don't know many people. I mean, I, I shouldn't say this. I'm the guy who's always encouraging people to start side hustles, but it's a hell of a commitment to find five hours a week, 20 hours a month to commit to anything, let yeah. alone a volunteer kind of thing. So yeah. yeah, I get it. And honestly, if I can get it five hours a week playing radio, I'm playing radio for myself. Sure. And I understand <laughs> that. I mean, I, I, I had a ton of fun today just messing around. So it was Nate uh, sent me messages all afternoon. He's like, I got this done. I got this done. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's too awesome to have guys like you on Nate because you care about what you want to talk about and you care about coming on the show. You know, I was just thinking that uh, when I was upstairs earlier having supper and I'm like, I don't ever want to take guys like you for granted because man, it's awesome to have somebody who's willing to put that much work into coming on to chat with me. It, yeah. It's cool. Yeah, so thanks, man. I, I had a lot of fun. Um, the, there's some stuff I wanted to try out. Uh, we'll kind of talk about that stuff when we kind of finish up here. We're kind of getting towards the end anyway. Yeah. Yeah. We've been, <laughs> we get talking, right? So it's um, okay. So uh, you got World War II ends, uh, 1950s single side band gets real popular, and they start coming out with uh, rigs that you can actually purchase at the store with single side band. So nice. like the old, okay. old Collins machines or the Heath kits, stuff like that. Uh, you're able to get your hands on those. And then uh, 1961, Oscar One was the first satellite launched in display into space with ham radio on it. Oh, with ham. Yes. Because, um, when I did my history of, uh, prepping the, the 1950s kind of the ham radio guys were the first ones that found, I want to say it was Sputnik, but I can't remember. Yep. They were the ones who discovered that Russia had a satellite in space before the U S yep, absolutely. Um, they were able to pick it up on their thing. It was something new and they were able to track it down. And they probably would have grabbed it on two meter or something like that. Two meter or four forty. It would have okay. been something line of sight. Um, I know the Inter International Space Station is uh, two meter, and you can actually, sorry, That's you okay. can hit the uh, space station with this cheap twenty dollar HT if you That's wanted to. Crazy. So, 
This is uh, Aaron's HD. And that's just a long, what do they call those antennas? Is that? It's just a quarter wave, okay. uh, you know, like quarter wave vertical. So it's your standard HD. And how long can you talk to them? Because they're moving fairly fast. You, if you, if you can get into the repeater, you can, the contact can last up to seven minutes. Which is, so at that point, they're just out of range because of course they yes. don't go over the, they don't go over the horizon because. No, they go over the horizon. Oh, I know. I just, yeah. <laughs> flat, yeah I'm sorry. I, we pick on flat earthers around here a lot, you know, in the prepping community, we all, everybody. We, yeah. Anyway, let's just put it that we, we question a lot of things, but there's one thing I've never questioned once in my life is whether the, the earth is flat or round. Right. But anyway, keep going, Nate. <laughs> All right. So um, that satellite lasted 22 days up up in, oh. uh, in orbit, and it came down in on January 31st of 1962, I think. Was it designed to be something that came down gradually? Or? I think so, yeah. Um, it's I, I, It lasted a long time. Okay. A lot longer than they thought, but you have uh, like AO50, Alpha Oscar 50 is okay. another ham radio satellite. And I think that thing's been up there since the late 60s, early 70s. And That's it's still crazy. working. Um, you can get, uh, you can hear the CW as it comes over. And I think that's one of the ones that has the repeater in it. Nice. So you can actually make contact with that. Sunnyland said that prepping's what got him into ham radio. And I think... I think prepping is, uh, you know, us preppers and those who are into preparedness is probably a, a significant portion of those who keep ham radio alive. Yeah, I I would say so, too. Um, it, as I said earlier, if you don't have comms, you don't have a plan. Right. And if you do have a plan and you don't have comms, you don't have much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, so let's get through this real quick. 19, sure. 1979, the WARC bands. Whiskey Alpha Romeo Charlie bands were added, and that was 30, 17, and 12. All still usable today? Yep, all still usable today. Um, 30 is a digital only, if I remember. Uh, there's no voice communications allowed on that, so that's mainly CW or uh, Whisper or FT8, FT4, JS8, um, stuff like that. And then uh, 19... 1982, during the Falklands War, the Argentine forces seize phone and radio network to London, and hams are able to relay the information back and forth. That's cool. See, that is that's one of the best things about ham. I personally, I think so. Yep. So they were able to relay uh, areas that were bombed, uh, troop movements, stuff like that, um, and were actually kind of helped out with the war a lot. Um, 1990s, your digital modes gained popularity. So that's like your uh, FT8, FT4, JSA call, um, Whisper, WSPR. Um, it's a lot of stuff. As soon as you could hook a computer up to something, hams wanted to play with it. Sure. And they came up with their own digital modes. And a lot of it works really good. I'm so, really intrigued by the digital end of things that don't require you know, either uh, some sort of data connection or anything like that. I think th mm -hmm. th that is, I, I think that's the future of ham in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, e email is your main one. Right. That it's, it, the system's called WinLink and it does have a little bit of a fee to it. 
if I remember. Okay. It's a couple bucks a year. Um, but you're able to send email from anywhere. You know, you could do it with two meters and 440, or you could do it with 80 meters or 20 meters. I could send an email direct to your radio if I wanted to from my house and not need internet. That's cool. But so there must be some sort of intermediary intermediate party though in there. Is there or not? You got to have a laptop. Okay. Um, and there's also, you're kind of paying for the nodes if I remember. Um, but there is ways for, for instance, where you and I, as the crow flies, where how far apart would we be a thousand miles? Uh, probably a little bit more than that. I would yeah. guess. Okay. So even just say, well, we'll use thousand as a, you know, a thing, but is there a way for you and I to contact digitally using only information that we are, uh, uh, technology that we have in our own homes, like with ham, could you and I send either text messages or some sort of email type thing without needing someone else to transmit it? Yeah, you could do it through ham radio, um, Okay, but you, you cannot... There's nothing that I know of other than ham radio that you can do for free. Right. That's what I was. Yeah. So what I, I guess what I'm getting at is in a shit hits the fan grid down scenario, just for because we love to play those games. Mm -hmm. But you say you and I are, um, you know, we want to contact each other because we're kind of in our own. I know we're a long ways apart, but we're in our own prepper cadre or whatever you want to call it. And we need to send a message to one another, but we don't really want it to be audible or audio. Mm -hmm. We'd like to send a text message for whatever reason that's doable. Hey, or some sort yeah. of text. Yeah. You, okay. Uh, you could do it through, do that through APRS or just straight up send an email. Okay. Um, JS8 call, um, Kentucky sustainable living has one in there. JS8 call is actually a really interesting mode. Okay. Um, that's one where you can do like, you could do at Tim's workshop. And oh. it will only have those those people who are following that symbol that symbol, so to speak, receive that message, and like actually have that message pop up. Okay, everybody would hear it, but they wouldn't be necessarily looking for it. But if right. you want, if you wanted to go, everybody in the network at the workshop, hey, I need this, and it would send it out to everybody. That's cool. Okay. That, that had JSA call. Well, if I can get off my ass and uh, get HF up and running, maybe we'll uh, we'll have to put a, a workshop net together sometime. Yeah. That would I, be fun. I've, I've talked about doing a homesteading net. That would um, be nice. I just don't have the time. I know. I know. It's the time thing, right? But Yeah. And it's, that's a lot of it. So, so where do we go? Where do we go from there? So I got a couple more small things here. Uh, 2006 is when the FCC dropped the code requirement for all licenses. Morse code. Morse code. So I am a no-code extra with a Baofeng UV5R, and I'm not afraid <laughs> to admit it. Nothing wrong with that. Exactly. I studied. I was able to do it, and I am able to do it now. So, uh, yeah. Um, so if, if you guys are serious about getting your ham radio license, I would say now is the time to do it. Um, really, it was last year when they weren't charging the $35 fee to get your license. Um, That's a one-time fee? One-time fee. It, it's So the way that works, 
you got about 15 bucks to your local club. Okay. Which is going to pay for you to show up and take the test. Right. Because they have to mail it out to the FCC. The FCC comes back to you about a week later and says, I would like my $35. Can you please send that to me? And then we'll issue your call sign. Hmm. Um, so all in all, your first license, you're looking at like 50 bucks. Which is about two beers at an arena. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so it's not much. Okay. Right. Um, once you go from there, your next charge, if you wanted it, would be your vanity call sign. Right. They are charging for that. And they are not charging for renewals. At the moment or period? Period that I've heard so far. You are okay. not being charged for renewals. Hmm. Um, that was one of the things that was brought up. Uh, I think that has been debunked. I will double check and verify, but I thought that's what I heard uh, about a month ago, that renewals are not being charged. It's only your vanity and new issue. Cool. Nothing wrong um, with that. Right. So I got my vanity in, you know, like a week before the fee showed up. Aaron got her license in right before that. Sunnyland says he thinks they are charging now. So maybe I'll they... To, yeah. I'll have to look that up. But even at that, $3.50 yeah. a year for hand privileges, that's I mean, pretty I'm, damn cheap. I'm not happy about it. It is what it is. It's the government being the government. Um, but really, <laughs> oh boy, here we go. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Really, if, if you look at it, if you can't swing 35 bucks for 10 years, how are you going to buy a thousand dollar radio set that's what i was just thinking exactly and now that doesn't mean you can't start with a baofeng for 45 dollars on i don't know how much they're exactly but on ebay right so 35 bucks yeah exactly no no not nice says that's like a cheeseburger yeah yeah come up to canada it's less than a cheeseburger (laughs) yep Yep. just be happy you're not australia where it's 240 dollars a year I don't even don't even get me started on Australia. So <laughs> I got a few questions started for you too. Uh, when we finish the history, before we yep. jump over into your cool tech stuff, I'll, I'll ask you. All right. So let me knock out this last thing. Um, the American disasters were that hams helped with. Uh, you had 9-11. A lot of uh, repeaters or the main cell phone tower was up on the trade center. And that came down and killed oh. cell phone signal for the entire island geez i never thought of that that's so, crazy because you had one up that high you probably wouldn't need one anywhere else would you yeah exactly um i remember anyway i remember being yeah i was on top of the, the of course the one that you could go up on was the one with the antenna because it was technically taller right so yep yep wow okay um so once that building came down all cell cell signals ceased along with a lot of repeaters because a lot of repeaters were up there as well Sure, because it was um, the so highest point of, in the city. Yep, so you had a lot of simplex. And then Katrina was the next one. Yep. Um, I know we had three or four members from our club specifically drive down for Katrina and help out with that. Um, that would be our uh, old – both of our old presidents went down there, so we have had two elderly gentlemen that drove down there for sure to go help okay. Katrina. And then uh, 2017, the Red, Red Cross requested 50 ham radio operators to deploy, deploy to Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria. I remember the videos from that hurricane. It was unreal. 
Yeah. I don't know if they've ever actually recovered from it. I mean, no, I know. I think know. it's still a hot mess down there. Yeah. And that's, that's fine. Six years ago, man. Yeah. Uh, Sunnyland camper says he worked hurricane Marie on the hurricane net. Yeah. If, if anybody wants to listen to that, that is a great net to listen to. Uh, it's 14, 325 and 7.168. If I remember, would I be able to get that out here on the prairies or is it? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's net control all over the country. Okay. Sunny Lane got a patch from that. That's cool. Well, this is patches. The only ham radio related patch I have is this one when we work communications for the Sycamore Pumpkin Fest. That's really cute, man. I like that little die cut patch. Yeah. So we we run communications for all the floats. Very Um, cool. They got 117 floats that come through. Okay. And we got to keep them all in line, moving, and watch out for idiots that leave stuff behind. So, so we got three questions we'll knock out before we jump over. Nate's got some pretty cool techie stuff he wants to do with us too tonight. All right. So, uh, okay, let's start with uh, not nice over on Twitch. Like I said again, nice to have you. How long would it take for the government or an authority to find you if you're transmitting radio signals for whatever reason? Five minutes. How come? Are you are you being facetious or do they? No, I'm not. Easy? Okay. Um, really, I can do that. I can give you a general area um, using the website QE SDR. Okay. I can pick three web SDRs and it's called time on demand. And I go to where your signal is. And if I hear you talking on all three of those, I can type that. I can triangulate you within a couple of miles. Okay. Off of that system. And it takes probably, five minutes, 10 minutes stops. So if we can do that, how much faster can whatever the government has on their end be, right? Probably quicker. Now, reality, the government does not really care. That's right. Stephen Harris used to say one of my favorite terms he always had was security by obscurity. You know, Mm -hmm. if you're just some little guy that the government has no interest in, there's a good chance they're not going to pay attention to you. Right. You know, if it, all right, so if, if you're the guy tuning up, here's one for Sunnyland. If you're the guy tuning up on the Hurricane Watch Net, so hitting the tuner on your radio and blocking out the Hurricane Watch Net, there is not much you could do. Nobody's really going to say anything other than the guys, the net control operators complaining about it and people getting on your case. Um, that's not much. But if you're the guy blocking the repeater for the fire department while working <laughs> right. a major f- fire up in the mountains, then you bet your ass they're going to come after you. And they have. And they continue to. Keep your damn nose clean and keep your... <laughs> right. You know what I mean? I, I always tell people, don't stick your finger where you wouldn't stick your pecker. <laughs> in other words, right. don't put yourself somewhere that's going to really do damage to you if they catch you. Right. Absolutely. Now, there are a couple of things. Um, There's been some people on 40 meters, 7.200, which is kind of the dumpster fire channel 19 of ham radio. Okay. Um, A few of those guys have been fined um, and stuff have been taken away from them. Um, You also have the 435 repeater. 
okay. over in California, which is, uh, I think you can listen to that on Broadcastify if I remember. Okay. Um, that's a pretty rough, you know, chit, fr- uh, rough thing to listen on. So, so not nice wants to know. I don't know if you know this answer. I, I may have known it at one time, but I, I don't know if I can remember it now. But it said, why does AM travel so well in the mountains versus FM? Um, all right. So FM, the easiest way to say this, you, you got to go tell me what frequencies you're working on. So if you're using FM, I'm going to assume you're going to be using two meter, 70 centimeter, okay, which is line of sight. Um, so that's like a cross town type deal. If you are on the other side of the mountain and you have the peak between you yep. and AM would work because it's bouncing off the ionosphere and coming back down on the other side of the mountain. That so, makes sense. So it's going to skip over the peaks. Correct. Because in the theory. In, in theory, because your antennas in theory, lower to the ground. Okay. So if, if you are in the mountains, either stand on the peaks and use two meter, 70 centimeter or be in the valleys and use HF. Okay. So it's kind of the easiest way to put that. I, uh, I just looked up a picture too, cause I was kind of thinking that, but AM waves are longer, like a standard, you know, your, your picture of a wave you would see. So, you know, it's going to skip up and over. Whereas FM is very like that. So well, it's because that's the longer the wave. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So your 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 two meter wave is real short. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your a full wavelength is two meters. Right. But a full wavelength on forty meters is forty meters. So you're talking distance wise. Yeah, it's low, it's quite a bit different. Um, you don't have anything FM. Uh, lower than 10 meters. Hmm. Looking at my chart right now. And then Sunny Lamb, uh, we talked about this a little bit. I don't know how far we get into it, but texts and emails. Yep. Yeah. Winlink. I saw that he commented that Winlink's free. I'll have to go back and look that up. Okay. Um, I thought that was something with a paid service. But so, dig yeah, that up. Nate spent quite a bit of time setting up uh, this right here, guys. This is yep. pretty cool. We'll so what looks better. We got this. Yeah, let's do this. There we are. So this is basically grid tracker. Um, what you see here is I'm the center. All the pink lines going out are all the stations that have heard me. Um, all the yellow boxes are the stations that I currently can hear. Okay. Um, as you can see, there's a lot in. Um, the U.S. I can also see. I can look a little bit better. Uh, got one up in France, South Africa, Germany, um, up in Canada. Probably up by you, Tim. I would say that's kind of. That oh one. yeah, I didn't know that the yellow one right there. Yeah, the yellow one directly above my head. Yeah, that's really close to the American border, but I I guess it's either just south of the border or just north of the border. Um, there. I'm talking about that one that's a little bit further oh, up. There's one yeah, south. Yeah. And there's yeah. one above the border. Jeez, Nate, that is that's really close to me. So yeah, yeah that almost looks like either Saskatchewan or right on the Alberta border, which is about where I am. Right. So um, this one, we're gonna try and see how this goes. Uh, this is going to be a two minute transmission. I just clicked the button that's to cool. uh, transmit. So this will go for. 
So this is not Memorex, folks. This is live. <laughs> yep, this is live right now. Um, For anybody see... over the age of 40 might remember that. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how this works out. Um, so explain what you're doing right now. So Nate. basically, I'm sending out a whisper report. Um, and in a couple of minutes, this will pop up with any new signals that hear this me. Is, this is not uh, digital. This is through the radio. Or this is just through ham radio, right? Correct. Yes, okay. this is just through ham radio. So you can see that little, little red transmit signal behind your logo Hang that on. I'm transmitting. Let's get rid of that while we're... There we go. Okay. Um, I'm on 40 meters, 7.0. Okay. 038.600 and I'm currently 51 seconds into the transmission. So it sends for a uh, for a solid 2 minutes, does solid it? Solid 2 minutes, yep. And then people will hear your is it just a test tone or some is it your call sign or what is it sending? Yeah, it's it's call sign in my grid grid location. Okay. So I am uh EN51 something. So you're you were a minute or last time you ran this test, you were hearing somebody way down on the south tip of Africa. Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, I I still hear them. I think that is they, so far away. Yeah, and that this is forty meters at night. So okay, you see the the comp the contacts you made on the east coast there, right up and down the east coast. Mm -hmm. So that would be a full wave, maybe not a full wavelength, but that's kind of the extent of where it's skipping to. And then, yeah, that's your first skip. And then if you were, if there were some in the Atlantic Ocean, they would probably go about as far again. Mm -hmm. And then you just, and then each one would be like, so each of those longer ones over into Africa and Europe Correct. are just multiples of whatever that is to the East Coast, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Very right. cool. So that's done with that. So we're going to let this uh, in about three minutes that will update. Okay. But in the meantime, that link that I posted in the telegram group okay let's go to the telegram yes shameless plug for the telegram group guys let's you know what while we're at it let's go in here and i'll uh i'm gonna share the telegram group link so if anybody's new here that is our place where we all hang out that is the place to go for uh telegram and for the the workshop community so let's throw that up first yep so if anybody wants to join feel free and then uh where did the link oh right there Okay. Yep, but I'll, I'll put it in the private chat as well, too. Okay. There, I'll send it in here because a lot of people can't. Anyway, I, I, I got to figure out a way to let all the people who are in here regularly post links because it right. YouTube kind of uh, figures or filters that out. So Okay, so that link that Tim just posted is the Whisper Network Spots. And okay. that is the last 1,000 spots that have heard my call sign given the mileage from my location in kilometers and miles, the signal report, the grid number that I am in, EN51, their call sign, and their location. So I just transmitted on 40 meters. And the furthest that picked me up is 8,500 miles away. Delta Papa Zero Papa Oscar Lima at JF85LK. So let's look that guy so up. So 8,500 miles, that has to be close to halfway around the world. 12,000 is the full all the way around. Oh, well, it's more than halfway then. 
Jeez. So, so is this the the image we're seeing now? Has that refreshed? Did I miss that, or is it not yet? You refresh in fifty seconds. Oh, okay. All right. So I can actually cut this down so we see less than just that. That's really neat. Give me just a second. So, eight, so have, have you made? In theory, could you pick up yourself? Yes. Okay. Right, so that's everybody that I heard on this last transmission. Okay. So that's within five minutes. So I set it to now within 30 minutes. So when this next one pops up in 20 seconds, you'll see just who heard me in the past 20 seconds or past transmission. For those who are on audio, just so you know, Nate, like we explained, he sent out a signal and we have a map up here of the entire world. There's yellow dots on it that show the um, stations that Nate is receiving. Mm -hmm. And in a moment, we're going to get pink. There we go. Some pink lines that show the contacts that have sent back to Nate Yep. that picked him up. So what, what do we have here, Nate? So I have Australia. Okay. Or not, no, sorry. Not, sorry. Not in Australia. I have Alaska. Alaska, Kilo Lima 3, Romeo Romeo, and he is 2,800 miles. And then I have into Germany, Delta okay. Lima 0, Papa Foxtrot, and he's 4,600 miles. And then the furthest one on that transmission was Turkey, Tango Alpha 4 slash Golf 8 Sierra Charlie Uniform. And that was 5,872 miles. So the one that was 8,000 miles, where was that? 8,000 miles is JF. I got to go back and find that one because that okay. did not show up on the spot page. It shows up on the spot page, but not on Grid Tracker. Okay. Um, so that was Kilo Golf 34XB. So we're going to look this grid up and then I can share what this thing, what it looks like. South Africa? That's what my Google search says, but I might be wrong. That's what that's what you have, South Africa. Yeah. That that's yeah. what I was thinking as well. Um, now on on the grid tracker, so there is one pink rainbow here, guys, that I can see that shoots way over. Is that is that into Russia or uh Turkey? Turkey. Okay. Yeah. That one picks up a lot, doesn't it? Because you've had that before. Yeah, I've I, I've gotten that turkey one pretty much all day. Um, I do have in here, if you scroll down a ways, I have uh, Antarctica pick me up. That's neat. One of the stations down there that's always listening picked me up earlier. So that's 9,000 miles. And then the furthest contact that I have on this one on the net, the whisper net page was 10,500 miles, I think. Okay. And that was to a VK station, and that is Australia. Nice. So two quick things. Uh, Chicken Hawk says that you're making ham radio cool again, Nate. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I said that to me that that would be that would make a good patch. We could design it like uh, make America great again, but it would be making ham radio great again or cool yeah. again. Um, and Sunnyland so, wants to know. Yeah, what do you think? Can we do uh, Sunnyland? Where where exactly are you? Um, in Illinois somewhere. Yeah. In Illinois. Give me a county. So we're going to try. Yeah. So Sunnyland is asking Nate, if you want to try a live contact on here, I've been here in Chicago and Rockford a lot today. So you never know what can happen on the yeah, yep. live stream. So 
Do you want do you want to keep that screen up or do you want me to bring us back no, up? Um you, you can close that one out. I'll get another one going okay. here. Sunnyland um, is on Pe is from Peoria. Peoria. Uh I don't know if we could do five two. We might be able to do eighty. Um that might be a haul. Give me let me get this set up real quick and then sure. He says forty meter. 40? Yeah, we yeah. can try it. Sure. Will you go ahead and set things up and I can, uh, yeah, let's see what we got going on here. We'll go back up through the comments. I'm going to close out Grid Tracker and WSJTX and bring so it's up. the only antenna house. he has. So try, yeah, try it. Okay. I can't hurt to yeah. try it. We've never tried anything quite like this before, have we? So this will be fun. All right. So let's. New setup here. Yeah. Um, and he's asking you to call the frequency there. So. Why can't you listen to that? Missed your device. Sorry, I have like three computers. Tim, you saw this. Yeah, no, that's earlier. Okay, um, I will say, while you guys are, uh, while you're doing that, I'll, I'll mention it was kind of cool. The last two days, I've had two different people send pictures of them watching uh, the workshop podcast on big screen TV. So I thought that was pretty cool. So Dan sent a picture the other night of his Christmas tree with the with the podcast in the background. And then Chicken Hawk, who is in here right now, uh, he and also, you guys should know, follow Chicken Hawk on, let me see if I can bring him up. But So Chicken Hawk uh, sent a picture the other night where he was sitting down, chilling out, watching the uh, workshop podcast on, uh, on the big screen as well. So I never think to do that. I mean, I do watch the occasional YouTube, yeah. but I don't think about watching live things on there. See if this will work now because I sure. change all. No, it can't. All right. Well, apparently, my other thing's not going to work. I have HDSDR. Okay. I had it working earlier, but it's not going to work now. Oh, and Aaron just goes, got it on upstairs right now on the TV. So, yeah, I'll have to. I think we're going <laughs> to. Aaron also says, making history in Tim's workshop. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so, there, so, there is Chicken Hawk's YouTube channel, guys. You guys make sure you give him a follow too. Uh, where did he say? Did I, I saw a frequency just roll by. Oh, uh, 7.230. 7.230. All right, let me get this set up here. Oh, we can hear too. I didn't know if we'd be able to get audio. That will be cool. Yeah, give me a, a second. At Christmas time. So I'm on a, I'm on a 7610. So 7.230. It's going to make this look slick. So whenever we... Uh... All right. Did you guys hear that okay? Yep. Okay. Uh, let's see. Sunnyland, K-A-R-O-I. My call sign is November Alpha 9 Tango Echo. Is this frequency in use? Is this frequency in use? November Alpha 9 Tango Echo. Is this frequency in use? Is this frequency in use? November Alpha 9 Tango Echo. You're checking to see if it's available? Yeah. Just I want to make sure nobody's going to... I'm not blocking anybody. Give me just a second here.
want to make sure. Second, I saw his comment. I want to make sure I'm on the right frequency. Oh, sorry. I will bring you back. What do you need me to pin there? Nope, okay. I got it. I see it. Okay. Kilo eight, Romeo Oscar Yankee, November Alpha Nine Tango Echo. Kilo eight, Romeo Oscar Yankee, November Alpha Nine Tango Echo. Not hearing anything. No. Okay. Yep. Not hearing anything. So does that you would get something pretty quick if you were? If if he hears me, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. So that shows. Now, if okay, if you wanted to make contact with him right now, and he had multiple antennas at all the different um, meters or a band, mm -hmm. sorry. So, so let's use this as kind of a teaching or a, a talking point. So if if like. We always bring it back to the going home book series because in there they make it sound so damn easy because he's like, here, you yeah. know, every night he contacts buddy to talk to his wife and whatever. So if you were to talk, if you wanted to contact Sunnyland camper right now, what would be your next step? If you had any option you could use? Uh, my next step would be go to 80. Okay. Um, with an Envis antenna, I think it would be a little bit better or maybe try and hit the repeater that's about halfway between here and him okay um that using would be what uh two meter 70 centimeter would be my guess okay so how far um, is the crow flies are you from him right now roughly uh roughly i'd say two hours i think three hours of peoria okay so it it would be a stretch for two meters so and honestly he's probably if we had done this during the day 40 meters would have been a little bit better um, but being so the things you, you need to know is, um, and, and this would come through experience, right? You would know what the best time of day mm -hmm. to contact somebody within a certain distance would be. Right. Yep. Because the difference do... between, sorry, the difference between ham and cell phone is if you want to contact somebody on ham, you've got to base that around, you know, the solar cycle, the, all of that kind of stuff. Whereas mm -hmm. cell phone, you just pick it up. So you have right. to have a plan and you have to have a practice and a plan in place, I suppose. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I see it's comment on two meter high SWR. Yeah. It's, you don't want to risk a radio. <laughs> oh, will uh, that blow it out? Or at, can... uh, high SWR standing wave ratio. If it's real high, it's more power reflected back on the radio. Okay. Um, it, and he, he is right. It does take experience and it does take playing around. Um, I find that my vertical antenna transmits on a shorter distance, mm -hmm. but is also deaf as a post. Really? So it can but, transmit well, but it doesn't hear very well? Yeah, and I think that has to do with the power lines. Okay. Um, it's kind of near, it's within 100 feet of power lines, and... I think I have to either A, put a filter on the radio, or B, uh, do a little bit better grounding system for it. So um, that's that's a good example of why a person would never say, well, I'm going to buy a bunch of ham radio stuff, and then if the shit hits the fan, I'll just play with it. Yeah, where, where are you going to find the ham radio operators? 
Right. I mean, it's I. There's a lot of stuff that you learn taking these tests, and there's a lot of stuff you learn playing with the radios. Right. And if you try and build your own antenna, or you buy the wrong antenna for the wrong band, or your antenna requires you to adjust it for every single band. Like I have one that is um, multi-banded. It does four bands. It's the Wolf River Coil. And that thing, you need an antenna tuner anytime you hook it up to the radio. Right. Or not not a, uh, not a tuner, a, a vector network analyzer. Okay. So it's uh, basically, it analyzes the antenna and tells you where it's resonant. And if you don't have that in the right spot and you key your radio up with 100 watts, poof goes your radio. Wow. John Pugliano at um, Nicole's LFTN, Living Free in Tennessee, yep. he had a really cool mobile HF station that he was playing with. I, I have that exact same setup. Okay. It was cool because it was really neat. I could see the physical – what are they, windings? Is that what they yep. call them? Yeah, yeah, it's a Wolf River Coil. I can get it out of my desk here. Give me a second. Sure. I'll, I'll get both the antennas. Yeah, so I'll explain while he's going. But yeah, so John, if you guys don't know him, he um, he runs the Weltsteading podcast. So he was there. He also drives, ha- pulls behind this tiny little teardrop camper that's big enough for one person, and he's a ham dude. And he had this just this little mobile antenna. I don't remember how tall it was, but it had coils around it, which would allow it to act as all the different, uh, depending on I guess if they were energized. I can't remember if that's what it was called, but. He would just, yeah, you could tune it in at any frequency you wanted. And it was uh, it was rather cool. There you go. Yeah. And you just, you, uh, what is that called? The coils on it, Nate? So this is the collar. It slides up and down. Right. And this this depends on where you want to put it. So right now it's kind of set in the 20 area, 20, 20 meters. And you can spin this collar around to fine tune it to the frequency that you're on. And that's that's how you get a resident. So if you're off a little bit, A, you're not going to be able to transmit as well. And B, you're not going to be able to listen as well. You're going to have more static? Yeah, you're going to have more static and it's you're just not going to be receiving the full signal. Okay. Um, so this is my vertical. It's got a nine foot tall whip that sits on up here. And then it's got a tripod stand that's on the oh, bottom. Okay. And then... That's what where the coax gets plugged in, and it just sits, you know, right on the floor like that. What's one of those worth? Hundred and fifty bucks. Is that would that be any good to me who has a few? You know, I'm I'm on the prairies, but in my town, I'm in a bit of a depression area, and mm-hmm. then I got a bunch of trees around me and that sort of thing. Could I still transmit out from something like that? Yeah, you can transmit. Okay. If, if I if I were you, I would do something like this. Okay, and then so hang this, it up through a tree or. It, this is that NFED I was talking about. Yep. Looks like so fishing line, is, right? Yeah. So it's literally, it all spools out like that. And okay. it's a half wavelength of 40 meters all rolled up in this thing. And if a fellow wanted to get started, that's all you need, isn't it? Yeah, okay. absolutely. I mean, you're. it took me an hour to build this thing, and the housing's 3D printed. Oh, you built that? Uh, yeah. I built this from scratch. The morning of field day okay and i made all of our contacts on 15 meters 15 meters with this antenna and you said that that 
your best antenna or one of your best? Yeah, this is one of my best antennas. And what do you use for wire? Uh, it's 20, the 26 gauge, real small. It. Yeah. It's like speaker wire. That looks like uh, um, thermostat wire almost. Pretty much. It's a uh, 26 gauge, high, te uh, high strength Kevlar and uh, solid steel. So a uh, solid copper wire with a Kevlar outer core. What did it cost you to make the, to to buy the wire and everything for that? Uh, I think I want to say it was maybe fifty bucks. And how does the coax connect to that? Did you have to? The coax comes in right there. So did you have to solder anything? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, everything inside of this thing is soldered up. Okay. Um, we built this thing Sunday morning field day at six a.m. and I was up on the air at seven a.m. with it, and I made. 45 contacts on 15 and it needs how how much height do you need for something like that or 30 do you feet. 30, 30 feet okay. okay yeah you just need the peak up at 30 feet and then you can have the box down on the bottom but I mean, and you, that's a half wavelength of 40 meters half wavelength of 40 meters so that's 20 meters so 60 feet so right so, so you're mean, up 30 feet and then you're going to come out yeah okay yeah so there's my hand okay and that's it's literally the size of a hockey puck. And you got a carabiner on the end to clip it to something? Yep. Yep. Wow. And then you tie a wire down to this end and stake it into the ground, and you're good to go. So that and, just grounds it? Well, it, it hangs up off the ground, so it'll sit like this much off up off the ground. Okay. And then you tie this one with, like, some paracord yep. and then stake it in. And then you have just the wire, like a piece of paracord on a throw rope over a branch. Or you could even run this thing over a branch. Okay. And that's your uh, your setup. So I have a 50-pound test fishing line that I use um, for my pole wire. I got a wrench tied to it that I just whip over a tree and pull it up with. Huh. Well, that you may, that's one thing I love about the whole uh, ham thing is, is the do-it-yourself mindset. And, you know, they, they're willing to spend hours to build a cheap antenna that works for you, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's here's reality. You're going to spend a ton of money on the gear. Right. You can go spend three to $12,000 on a radio. <laughs> right. Okay. If your antenna is crap and you didn't build your antenna right, you're not going to hear anything and it's going to be useless. A good antenna on a cheap radio is better than a good radio with a cheap antenna. That's good. That right there, ladies and gentlemen, is why you you tune into the uh, workshop podcast. To, yeah. yeah, because that is, that's that's worth the price of admission, right there. Right. I mean the the radio that I have, it's a IC seventy six ten. It's okay. It's an expensive radio. Don't get me wrong there, but I also I have a really good long wire antenna, and I am experimenting with a vertical, and I need to get that vertical where I want it. It's close. Like, I can make contacts on it, but I, I have a real hard time hearing. Can can you buy one that's like your homemade one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, my my the one that I have up, um, the NFED that I have up, is bought. It's an Chameleon and MCOM Base 3 80-meter half-wave antenna. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's going to be twice as long. That's it's 130 be... feet. Okay. And that's that peak is up at about 50 feet. Okay. Now, you don't have to have that. So 
because you know my my say my land for instance is fairly narrow but quite long so could i come out a ways and then go at a 90 degree angle and then run along my fence line yeah 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 so all right so the way i used to have mine i had it off the garage up to about 30 feet okay back down to about 10 feet and then making a dog leg along my fence line for another 50 feet to take up the rest okay and it just basically needs to be off the ground is that the idea yep yep okay. it was that side was 10 feet up off the ground between two pieces of conduit and it can't be uh coiled up either right it has right. to be stretched out yeah because if it's coiled up that's when you lose the length so as soon okay. as you fold over a wire or lengthen it up the signal stops there right because then all of a sudden you're at a smaller band yeah small shorter length yeah did you have anything else you wanted to show on your computer or was that it? Unfortunately, HDSDR is not working. That's that program that I use on my streams. Okay. Um, new laptop. I had it working earlier. I'm sure if I shut this thing down and got it all figured out, it would start working. But You know what? It'll give us an excuse to bring you back in the new year. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be fun. I'd like that a lot, actually. So I can try and turn this thing on one more time just in case. Sure. If anyone else has any questions for Nate out there, throw them up, because if not, we'll probably wind her down here, pardon the pun, in just a few minutes, I'm imagining. Yep. We've got, uh, it has snowed for three days. In there a we row go. Here, so. Is it working? Yep, I got it working. You want me to bring up the uh, screen share? Yeah, if you just want to bring up the screen, there's no audio with it. Well, I can turn, probably turn the audio up. That's okay. Yeah, go do what you want, man. Oh, I like that. That looks like, uh, I don't know, something out of the Matrix, for instance. So this is HDSDR. Um, what you're seeing, so the the um, 40 meter band, let me move this over a little bit. Wrong one. Go up here. So we're seeing, I don't know, like graphical representations, almost like a a straight yes. rainbow or, or um, yep. a different color. So what is this? What does right. this represent, Nate? So all your peaks that you're seeing on here are signals. Okay. Um, right now, uh, I could bring this. So is this showing people, like if somebody logged in here, this would tell you which, which bands are working right now or which ones are active? Yes, this would tell you where you're he actually hearing people. So if I were to switch this and go to 40 meters... Okay. So you see how that frequency changes. Yeah. Now you're in the 14. Um, you don't see any signals. So it's you dead see, right now? Yeah, you don't see anybody talking there. So, so is you that go, part of the reason why we didn't get a contact on 40? No, this is 20 meters. Oh, 20. Okay. Right. So 40, there is 40 meters. Okay. Oh, so yeah. You can, you see all those peaks popping up those are voice signals That's so cool. if i have this right if that top which is not tracking oh yeah it is. So is that does that represent a whole bunch of conversations all across the 40 meter band right now yes and what do you call is it a or is it a whole bunch of channels within a band is that what you call each one uh frequencies frequencies so yes. how many usable frequencies would be on say the 40 meter band roughly every three kilohertz Okay, and how many? So your so your voice for forty meters it goes from seven dot one two five okay. to seven dot three hundred. So that gives you one hundred and seventy five kilohertz. 
Okay, so you're looking at uh, divided by three. So around 55. So there's 55 usable frequencies roughly in there. Roughly, yeah. Yep. And, and each one would be about, you know, each each uh, band would be roughly the same? No. So no. 80 meters goes from 3.6 to 4.0. Okay. Um, so that's... 20, your 10 four. meters goes from 28.3 to 29.7. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Uh, and then your real small one is 17 meters is 18.11 to 18.168. Hmm. So are there certain times of the day where you might have a challenge to even get on an open frequency within a, a band yeah. or is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 40 meters is usually pretty busy at night, especially when you have a contest. Okay. Um, field day. It's at every third or fourth weekend in June or July. I'm not sure exactly. Okay. Um, I, we do it every year. I just don't remember exactly when it is. Um, that is, you will have a very hard time finding an open frequency. And usually you are stepping on somebody okay. trying to make a contact. And is the reason that you have three kilohertz between each frequency, is that so that you can um, dial up or down a little bit to, dial in or is it just well so you're so you're your signal when you transmit your signal is 2.8 kilohertz wide oh on, okay. on signal single sideband okay so you get they give you three kilohertz to play with so you have that little extra so you're not taking up the guy next to you that makes sense um, so this the big signal you see that that's all the way over to the right that's got the one peak in the center with the two peaks coming up Yep. It's over by 7.220, somewhere in that range. That's an AM broadcast station. Oh, so AM can broadcast within some of the ham bands? That is the European AM broadcast. Okay. Um, that starts at 7.2 and goes up. So that's something you're going to pick up on shortwave then, is it? Yes, that is all shortwave. And Speaking then you of, we should they, do a show on shortwave sometime, Nate. Yep. yep. And then pirate, so pirate pirate broadcasting is oh. generally around 6.9. So that's still a thing? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, mean, I bet we could probably even find something on here, to be honest. So what do they do on on pirate radio now? Because that I mean that was always a thing in the I remember the eighties and seventies from what I've heard and yeah, I mean, let's see if it's picking anything up. Yeah, it's probably at 69.40. I'm not going to play it long, but. I'm just going to shout out to my buddy, Ed Shaw. He uh, he listens to this sometimes, if he happens to. He's a former radio guy who cut his teeth on pirate radio. I want to say in the, in the 80s at college. He always used to talk about it. So. Yeah. So this is probably going to be upper side band, I would guess. Okay. And do they play music on there, or is it more talk? Uh, it's probably more music. Well, that might not be something. That's something else. Okay. But that is, like, right around one of the pirate stations. That's cool. And how much? How many watts would they be broadcasting with? A couple thousand, probably. And that's totally illegal, right? Oh, yeah, totally illegal. But they, yeah, okay. So, 
yeah, I just, I'm turning it down for, it's not working well with me, so. That's okay. Bring us back up there. But I will sit around and answer any questions anybody has. So if anybody else has any questions you want to throw up for Nate, throw them up there and we'll answer them. Yep. And while they're throwing up questions, Nate, how do people find you? Where, where do they go? I mean, obviously sure. they can find you right here, right now, but yep. they want to follow up with you. Well, you can find us in the workshop podcast telegram. We're usually in there. Um, and then you can find us at twochickshomestead.com. Nice. That is our website for our podcast. Um, we do, like I said earlier, a weekly podcast. And we cover the gamut, everything from homeschooling to ham radio to breaking shit to fixing <laughs> shit to butchering animals to failing at stuff and succeeding at some stuff and just life in general. So, And um, you guys have a Telegram group? Yep, we have a Telegram group. It's uh, You're going to make me look that up. That's all right. I can share it if you want. It's two yeah, chicks something or other here. I think I can. Yeah, it's... T.me, Two Chicks Homestead Podcast. There you go. Yep. I'll, uh, one second. Because we were and, able to uh, finally get that correct one. Yes, that's tricky. So, and do you, have you been doing any, I know for a while you were doing some live streams like this, but a little more right. in depth. Yep. I know Christmas, everything gets hairy this time of year. So, so I was doing it Friday night um, and I would sign into my net. And check into that and kind of listen to that. Well, three weeks straight in a row, I couldn't hear the net. So really? I'm like, well, what, what happened? It's propagation. Oh, okay. So you, it, it's hit or miss. It, you're not always going to hear the same people over and over. That makes um, sense. That's kind of one of the nice things I like about ham radio. It's never the same people every day. So if you, you, you're always making new contacts is the idea, right? Correct. Yep. Yep. And then you can go out and do parks on parks on the air and make even more contacts, but that's now what, a totally different episode. Okay. <laughs> I think we could do a bunch of them, right? So, Oh yeah. I mean, this is, this is a can of worms and it can get deep quick. So, which is cool because here's the other thing. I've heard a lot of people talk about ham radio and make it sound God awful boring, mm -hmm. but I will tell you one thing that you never do. Nate is make anything boring when you talk about it, you know, because you can tell that somebody is passionate about something number one. Mm -hmm. Right. But yeah. I appreciate that because this is something that when it's positioned the right way and when it's taught the right way, makes people interested in it instead of, you know, um, because you do get those, the old fellers that I call them the ham evangelists that right. are like, Hey, let me share the gospel of ham radio with you. And you're like, could you just shut the hell up? I don't want to. Yeah. I'm, I, I can, I can't stand those guys. I don't want to gatekeep. No. Right. I mean, it's the more people we have on ham radio and the more people using it, the more we're going to keep. Well, what's the best way to what's the, okay. If you meet somebody that's not interested in guns or not interested in shooting, what's the best way to get them interested Take them to the damn gun range, right? Yeah, yeah. So what's the best way to get somebody in ham radio? It certainly isn't to sit there and talk about it. It's to let them experience it themselves, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Either show up show up, or find your local club and show up at either summer field day or winter field day. 
Okay. If they're running either one of those, show up, get on the radio, and try it out. Or you can go, all right, so radioreference.com. Um, you can click, that, that gives you a lot of frequencies for police and fire stuff, but it also gives you your amateur radio stuff. So you can find all your repeaters and stuff in the area. And it will also give you, if you look at your zip code, you can look at the hams in, in town. Right. So you could contact people. Right. I, I would tell this to anybody, look me up and shoot me an email. Okay. Take, take that. Um, you know, I think you can find a call sign or if you get a call sign, find an email off of that and be able to send it. Or you look on qrz.com at that call sign. So it's, uh, it's www.qrz.com. Look up the call sign in your town and it should give you uh, like an email, you might have to log in and get the guy, get the person's email, but shoot, shoot somebody an email, no matter what, what, and talk to them, ask them. As Aaron said, I had this 16 year old kid show up at the house one day looking for technician books. We're down here for God, three hours talking about radio and he was That's asking cool. about all the gear. So That's like, um, do you guys watch Stranger Things at all on Netflix? Aaron does. I don't. Yeah, and in there they there was a I think he was a science teacher or math teacher that had a ham radio club, mm -hmm. and the boys in there at least um, the one that's missing the teeth I can't think of his name, very interesting. And ham plays ham and radio in general played a big part in in a couple of those seasons. Yep, yep. So it's neat, you know. I, I was walking through Walmart the other night, and they had an old EverReady or Energizer. It was one of those vintage flashlights. You remember the old silver ones? They had the rings yep. around them. And it, it, it was branded with Stranger Things because whatever they put anything on that show in the, you know, the teenagers or kids in general, I sound like an old man, but the, right. the kids get interested in it. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's, if anybody ever has any, any questions and you want to talk ham radio, Tim, I'll give Tim my email and you guys can shoot him an email and have him, you know, get a hold of me and I will get you pointed in the right direction. That would be um, awesome because it's yeah. I, I I want people to do this. I want people to have fun. So, and there's one thing that is one thing that most hams are are, are you can almost agree on is the fact oh, yeah. that mm -hmm. all you want is to incur most. There are the few old old men yelling at cloud gatekeepers who say yep. you know oh no, no you know but what what are you going to do at some at some point you're going to be gone and the the hobby will die if you don't right. get young people interested right right. Absolutely. I mean, the, the generally when you get licensed, the first thing out of somebody's mouth and another ham radio operator's mouth is when you're, when are you upgrading? <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. That, that's the way it is. The first question I passed my technician, I got on the radio, the guy who is the VEC for our club, the volunteer exam coordinator for our club, like 30 seconds into me jumping on the repeater. When do you get your general? When you get in your general and then I, he signed the paperwork for my extra or my general. And then he's like, when are you doing your extra chicken Hawk says, see, it's a cult. I, it, that's probably I mean, why a lot is. of the Mormons are into it. Right. So, and it's Aaron will tell you she, she passed her test. And the first thing I asked her is, 
All right, I'm going to be the one to do it. When are you upgrading to your general? Well, every time you and I talk, it's always, you know, I always bring it up yeah. before you ask, but. What the hell, Tim? When are you yeah, upgrading? Yeah, I, mean, I know. I know. <laughs> right? So it's true. It's nothing. Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a skill you're never going to lose. Right. And it's something fun to play with. And if you like spending money, it's definitely a hobby to get into. I mean, there's, you can go down a rabbit hole and spend a ton of money. If you like camping, get into POTA, Parks on the Air. Go visit your state parks. Bring your radio with. Set up. Make contacts. It's like Pokemon Go for radio. But real, like, not that, yeah, we won't go down this rabbit hole tonight. Maybe this is one we could do sometime. But it's absolutely can be done on the cheap as well, can it? If you wanted to build some little radio yourself and mm-hmm. yeah so it so it, hf if you want to get into hf communications you want to get your general i would say at minimum you're looking at a thousand dollars okay and that is to buy a hundred watt radio you don't want to buy anything less than a hundred watt for your first radio because you're, if you don't know what you're doing, you are going to get frustrated with a radio that's only capable of five to twenty watts. Hmm. Um, there's one out there. It's a Zygu G90. A lot of people love that radio. Okay. It's four hundred and fifty bucks. It's got two hundred or twenty watts on it, and you got to have a solid antenna. Now it's got it has a tuner in it that it can tune up a wet noodle and transmit on it. I have a Yesu FT891 that's a 100-watt radio, and I have a resonant antenna, and I talked to a guy up pretty much in the North Pole, Northwest Territories, from a park 10 miles down the road. So you were mobile. I was uh, I was portable, portable, set up in a park on a battery with my vertical antenna, and I talked to a guy up in Northwest Territories. That's crazy. Yeah, so it's doable. Yeah, and the same day I talked to a guy in Spain from the same park, not five minutes later. So a good combination is 100 watts and a decent antenna then. 100 watts and a decent antenna. Do what you can. You can always turn the power down, but start off with 100 watts. That's, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like when I say, you know, uh, nobody ever said, man, I should have built a smaller garage, right? Right, absolutely. Because, I mean, you can go out and buy this $20 radio, or sorry, this $450 radio that's only got 20 watts, and you're going to go spend another 500 to put a 100-watt amp behind it. Ah, right. So you're already over the price of the Yesu. The Yesus are 650 bucks. Sometimes so you can off. find them used for 500 A And talk to – one thing I've noticed is hams are – because hams always love to have extra radios. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you yeah. talk to your local ham guys, there's a lot of times, especially if you're new, they're going to throw you a killer deal just to get you into the hobby. Yeah, absolutely. I got I have an ICA-21 here. It's a 2-meter, 70-centimeter satellite rig. So this is like the high-end 2-meter, 70-centimeter rig that would have sold from ICOM, say, 20 years ago. Okay. Okay. It was well over brand new $1,500. If I were to replace it with a new radio, it would be $1,800. Bucks. 
Right, isn't it? Yeah. I paid three seventy five for it from one of my club members. And I'll bet dollars to donuts at some point down the road you'll return the favor to somebody else. You know, absolutely. I mean, if 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 I sell it for what I have into it, now granted, I just sent it out for repair, another two hundred and fifty dollar repair to have some stuff worked on. Sure, but the going rate on these radios, they don't they don't lose value. You're right. They they you yeah, and some of the older ones actually in, uh, appreciate in value, don't they? Oh yeah, there's a uh, Kenwood. D74. So this is a HT. It does full duplex. So that is, as you are talking on one frequency, you can hear yourself on the other frequency. Oh, okay. Okay. So it works really good with satellite communications. So when you talk on a satellite, you talk in on two meters and you listen on 70 centimeters. Oh, okay. It goes through the repeater like that. That's how they do it. It does full duplex. That radio, brand new. It's a handheld, sold for three hundred fifty bucks. Okay. It was discontinued six years ago, seven years ago maybe. It is now nine hundred dollars on eBay. Isn't that crazy? Good luck finding one. Right. So I mean, that's that's reality. Kenwood D seventy four. I would love that handheld to play with radios because it is the only. Full duplex HT out there. Huh. But again, supply and demand, right? Absolutely. So. Well, brother Nate, we've hit two hours. That's usually the mat. We, I rarely go two <laughs> hours, but as far as, oh, we got Jessica and Joseph on here. Good to have you. But yeah. Um, so yeah, one more time. What's your website? Uh, TwoChicksHomestead.com is our main site. Or you can find our uh, itty bitty tip link at TwoChicks.IttyBitty.Tips. That's, That's T-I-P yes. as in Papa, S yes. as in Sierra. Yes. Okay. Yes. Very cool. Well, we will, uh, if you're up for it, Nate, I think we're going to have to do another, uh, This will, what was this, two? We've done two now. I yep. think we'll have to do at least a dozen more if you're up for it. Absolutely. I'll do it whenever. I mean, this is this is fun stuff. And if one person in the comment goes out and gets licensed over this, all for it. Perfect. Well, thank you, sir. We'll, yeah. uh, I think we'll end her here, guys. So thank you very much. We've got, uh, so the next live show, I think we're going to do a Thursday and a Friday show this week and then a quick little Christmas break. So guys, as always, stay happy, stay healthy, and have a great week.